Tonight, Survivor Series becomes the Sami Zayn Show. More WWE stars are getting into the reality TV game. Thunder Rosa steps down as AEW Women's Champion. Ric Flair says he will be at the Royal Rumble, so what number does he draw? Speaking of Flair's, where exactly is Charlotte? Plus, we speak to WWE author and historian Keith Elliott Greenberg. It's all on the way on Sunday night's main event. We love professional wrestling. Acknowledge me. This is Sunday night's main event. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. On the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Because you love something fresh in you, don't you? We deserve better, people. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Do I have everybody's attention now? My God, what an impact. Hey, I'm Mike McGuire. Welcome to Canada's Wrestling Radio Show, Sunday night's main event powered by Great Lakes Beer, a fiercely independent brewery. Order online at greatlakesbeer.com. Now, this show is always available to you free on the air on TSN Radio, the iHeartRadio and News Talk Networks, and through our affiliate radio stations all across Canada. But if you'd like to have it in your town, drop us a line. You can find that on the contact page at snmeradio.com. For loads of bonus content, an early and extended version of this show, and more, you can support the show at patreon.com slash SNME radio. The business of professional wrestling never slows down, so each week we try and bring you the top stories in a tidy little package we call The Five Count. You want to hear the breaking news? Last night, WWE's Survivor Series ran just over three hours and saw Austin Theory win the United States Championship in the show's only title match. Bianca Belair's team won the Women's War Games match, while a show-long story thread of Sami Zayn's loyalty to the bloodline saw them eventually win over the Brawling Brutes after Kevin Owens took the pin from Jey Uso, seemingly closing the inner dissension of the bloodline story. After the event ended, WWE held a half-in-character, half-out-of-character press conference where Paul Heyman had this to say about Sami Zayn. Sami brings a dynamic that none of us were prepared for. And we're prepared for everything. And what Sammy also brings is a connection with the audience that none of us can have because we've been too busy being the top act in the entire industry for over two years. And Sammy, to me, from my perspective and from the Tribal Chief's perspective, represents the member of the audience who gets his one chance to step into the ring and live out his dream and does it so well every week that we say, do you mind coming back next Friday? We'd love to have you as part of the act. Some more wrestling-based reality TV is coming our way. Well, it's not Total Divas, Total Bellas, or even Roads to the Top, but there are some new mainstream WWE superstar-based reality TV shows on deck. While appearing on the Today Show this past week, Bianca Belair and her husband Montez Ford announced that they had a show that was entering production for Hulu. It'd be an eight-episode series reality show. Uh, Nervous, excited. Yeah, you're putting yourselves out uh, there. (laughs) Yeah, because it changes things once you put cameras in the mix. It does. You know, especially around the clock. Yeah, but we're excited. People get to see who we are in the ring, but now they kind of get to see who we are outside the ring, pulling the curtain back a little bit. Uh, But we're excited about it. Bobby Lashley is also working on something, and it might surprise you what the subject of the Lashley reality show will be. A big thing that I love to do is I love to flip houses, and I love to work with real estate. So I've been been doing a lot with that. And um, 
we've been actually filming a reality show that kind of deals with me, my team, how we put together different flips and go from place to place and showing some of the guys that I'm in business with and some of the young athletes and some some of the young professionals how to get into the real estate world. So we're playing with that a little bit also. While the Survivor Series was a pretty solid show from top to bottom, one thing that was missing from the show was the traditional five-on-five Survivor Series elimination match. If you are among those fans that were pretty vocal about those matches missing, Paul Levesque said they aren't gone forever, just for now. I don't think we're done with anything, you know. I think that when we look at it together as a whole, it's about what's best for our fans in the moment. So sometimes stuff needs to break for a while. Sometimes you bring it back later and it's, you know, it's iconic. Oh my God, they're going back to that, right? So to say it'll never happen again, I think is wrong. Levesque also went on to say that the War Games concept may not be forever tied to Survivor Series and also addressed rumors about other concept match-based pay-per-views being eliminated in the future. I hear this speculation among fans a lot about, and, and, and all of you as well, about, you know, Hell in the Cell, Money in the Bank, Elimination Chamber. Maybe those things should all go away. And I, some of that I, I hear. Hell in the Cell, I hear it, right? I, you know, I, I had a, a highlight of my career in, in sort of Foley and I calling each other out on Hell in the Cell. Um, but then when you get into, no one's ever going to challenge somebody going like, that's it, I'm tired of you. I challenge you to an Elimination Chamber with five other guys. Like, it doesn't work, right? Same thing, like, well, that does it. I challenge you to money in the bank. Switching over to All Elite Wrestling, Thunder Rosa is expected to remain out of action for some time still. After it was announced that she was relinquishing her AEW Women's Championship this past week on Dynamite, Thunder Rosa will reportedly remain out of action until at least February. While it hasn't been revealed what caused her back injury, the word is that AEW and Rosa have come to an agreement to have her surrender the title as her injury was set to take longer to recover from than initially expected. And while we're on the subject of wrestlers who are out due to back injuries, there's been an update on the status of Randy Orton. A little over a week ago, Randy Orton's wife posted a photo of him post-surgery on what was believed to be his back. Since then, reports have come out saying that Orton did in fact have spinal fusion surgery, which will see him out of the ring for an unknown amount of time. Now, for a typical spinal fusion surgery, like if you or I were to get this, simple things like moving around the house, driving, all off limits for at least four to six weeks. There's no news as to what Randy Orton's rehab process is going to be like, so there's obviously no idea yet how long it would take to get back into wrestling condition. Still to come, my tag team partner from Tuesday Morning Cooked, a.k.a. the best damn raw review on the internet, Joe Aguinaldo joins me to talk a little bit more about last night's Survivor Series. Plus, we bounce some subjects off each other, including a possibility of a WWE return for William Regal. Plus, he wrote for WWE Magazine since the days of WrestleMania 1. Author, historian, and still pro wrestling fan to this day, Keith Elliott Greenberg will join us to talk about how his career got started and a recent book that he's published, which takes us back through some of the crazier days of pro wrestling history that we've all just lived through. Really appreciate you being here. Hang on. we got a lot more to come on Sunday night's main event. You're listening to Sunday night's main event on TSN Radio. Sunday night's main event is brought to you by Great Lakes Beer, a fiercely independent brewery. Black as night, light as a full moon, deep in character. 
Little is known about the guardian that protects the Great Lake Stout. His nobility is as thick as his mustache, which belies the essence of the beer he defends. Through this mystery, what one can gather is, with this traditional dry stout, you'll finally vanquish the illusion that dark means heavy. Congratulations. You just found your new session stout. Find a selection of Great Lakes beer at your local LCBO or order online at greatlakesbeer.com. This is Sunday Night's Main Event on TSN Radio. Welcome back to Sunday Night's Main Event. I'm Mike McGuire. Dave Meltzer missing in action, so called on my tag team partner my corner man if you would the guy who i can almost always count on to be home although now the question is now that your home renovations have finished joe are you actually spending more time home or are you finding reasons to leave the house no i'm, I'm actually spending more time at home and, there you and go. actually and actually cooking which is a good thing joe aguinaldo you hear him on our podcast network uh, he's part of all elite weekly He's also been a part this week of the Smack Daddies. He was a part of our after party for Survivor Series last night. And he's with me on Tuesday Morning Cooked, the best damn raw review on the internet. Uh, anything else you do? Are you doing NXT this week, too? Because I think that's all that's left, isn't it? You, well, you got the AEW one, right? Yeah, yeah. Is it going to okay. be Boris, Matt, and Joe? for? No, no. <laughs> no. I draw the line at NXT, damn it. <laughs> Boris, Joe, and Matt. It could be Biam. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with the umlauts over the yeah anyway yeah well thanks for being here joe last night you and i went through the survivor series card overall we both agreed pretty fun show yeah i think so there was uh some good stuff i really enjoyed both war games matches but i thought the uh the story for the bloodline sammy zane i thought that was i thought that was great sammy zane is the biggest star on that show now i think for wrestling fans anyways And this is what I wonder. Do you think they have an opportunity with Sami Zayn to push him even next level? Or is he going to be that guy that's always the the more engaged fans guy? At this point, I'm still going to, let's say, uh, label him as the more engaged fans guy. I mean, he's very entertaining. He's very good in the ring. But. When you look at, and I, I, I mean, like love and respect to Sammy, but when you look at star power, when you look at, say, Becky Lynch, and when you look at, say, even Roman Reigns, right. Sammy Zayn is not there yet. Right. And, and I don't even know if he'll ever get there. And that's okay, though, because there's been a ton of great wrestlers or great performers that never made it to the mainstream mainstream, but still were remarkably famous and fan favorites through the years. I think Sammy's definitely got that spot clinched. Yep. So whatever happens in the future for him, going to be great things. Uh, anything now that you've had a chance to to sit and remunerate around it or whatever, was it ruminate? Ruminate, that's the word, right? <laughs> it's a good thing we don't teach English on this show. No. Uh, is, is there anything that sticks out to you from last night that maybe you didn't think of while we were hosting the after party? I, you know, it, and I don't mean this is a bad thing. It was a pretty predictable show. You know, like uh, Brad and I did the uh, did the picks on the Smack Daddies podcast. And I think the only one I got wrong was Shotzi, but I picked Shotzi because I like Shotzi. Not, you know, I didn't I didn't think she had a chance beating Ronda Rousey Um, again. Doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but it was, you know, it was a pretty predictable show. At least I thought it was anyways. 
Did you watch any of the post-show press conference that uh, Triple H, guys like, uh, well, Paul Heyman and Sammy were there? We actually had a great quote from Heyman in the five count earlier on the show talking about just what a big deal Sammy Zayn is to the bloodline, kind of half in character, half in real life as well. But did you get a chance to see any other highlights from that press conference? I, I did see Paul Heyman talking about Sammy Zayn. And the one thing I appreciated was how he, and I'm paraphrasing here, but how he said that like the reason Sammy Zayn was so relatable was because he was that every person that wants the shot. And yeah. he's, you know, he's the, He's the extra that gets a part in the show, you know, like that kind of thing. And I thought, you know what? That's a really good description of Sami Zayn. Um, But that was really all I caught. I'm not big on the press conferences or anything like that. That's fair. It was kind of interesting because then they brought Triple H Paul Levesque out to talk about actual questions about the industry side of things. And Paul was pretty wide open about a lot of subjects. One thing he did say that I found really interesting is he says, you look at a guy like Austin Theory, whose career was dead two weeks ago, and now he's the United States champion. So it was interesting to see that they acknowledged, or at least he acknowledged, that they were basically kind of scrapping the Austin Theory of old to bring in this new Austin Theory. Is this the Austin Theory now that you see maybe going on a John Cena path? I think too early. But it's a it's it's a good start and it's definitely a work in progress. Like I'll admit, I, okay, uh, let me let me let me rewind here. I okay. was a little surprised that Austin won because I did think that Seth was going to win. Right. But I like that direction. And I think hopefully this is the start of what you're saying is let's say, I don't know if I want to say John Cena, but let's just say it's the start of the Austin Theory run, and hopefully we see big things from this kid. Oh, I think so. I think this is the John Cena playbook to a T. This kid comes in. He's a bit of a goof. He's a bit of a weirdo, right? He's doing all the selfie things. John Cena, when he came in, doctor of thugonomics, laying some funny (laughs) raps. But let's be honest. He had at WrestleMania 19, he had a cardboard cutout of Austin Powers as Jay-Z and Mini-Me as Dre, or I don't remember how it worked out, but or who was on there, who he was calling out. But anyway... He went from that guy at Mania 19 to Mania 20 being the, the guy on the rise. And then by, what was it, 22, 23, he's, he's the guy. So I, I see nothing but potential for Austin Theory, and I think it's going to be a great thing. Okay, this is an interesting subject that came up. And honestly, uh, Dave Meltzer has commented on this a bit already. Uh, not on our show where he's supposed to be right now, but that's okay. <laughs> he talked a little bit about the William Regal contract status. Now, have you heard the update on that yet? Joe. Oh, you froze. Yeah, I froze. Sorry. Okay. <clears throat> have you heard of the William Regal contract update that Meltzer put out? Uh, no, I have not. Okay. So while everybody's quick to speculate that after Moxley said, run, run away, apparently Regal's not going anywhere for at least a few months because he's still under contract AEW. So, Joe, let me ask you this. Do you think there's a chance? That as soon as that AEW contract is done, he's running right back to WWE. Absolutely. I would actually be shocked if he didn't go back to WWE. Um, I think, you know, William Regal is one of those WWE for life guys. He's tight with Triple H. And now that Triple H is running the show, would not be shocked at all if after the contract's up, after any, you know, no compete clauses are up that William Regal go, goes back to WWE. 
I mean, Triple H did put the tweet out yesterday with the clip of Regal saying war games all over again. <laughs> yep. It wouldn't, yep. wouldn't be the same without. And so, you know, you, you know, there's definitely still a bond there. I would be interested to see what happens. Although, you know, maybe TK comes up with a dump truck full, full, full of money and says, you know, really would like to keep you here. But uh, see, but, that, but, the, but that's the thing, because because Regal has said numerous times on podcasts and interviews that it's not just about the money. Yeah. Like he loves doing this. And I got to believe he's been with or he was with WWE for how long? Like 25, 20 plus years at least. So I would not be shocked if he goes back to WWE once this contract is up. And hopefully they allow him to do more of the stuff that he's doing in AEW because he's been really good in AEW. Yeah. I mean, even if they brought back a general manager to NXT, that would be... Yeah, that would be perfect. Okay, well, that's enough of the uh, the Willie talk for now. Let's move forward into some of our other things that have been happening. Of course, the Survivor Series wrapped up, but something else that wrapped up over the past week was Thunder Rose's championship reign. She has uh, resigned or, uh, I guess, forfeited the championship, if you want to say that. Jamie Hayter, now your undisputed women's champion. They're even rolling back on Tony Storm's reign, saying that she's now... Uh, no longer was an interim champion. I guess we can just change history. Do you think Thunder Rose is done with AEW? That just seemed like such a, you know what? Okay. Relinquishing the belt and Hater being the undisputed champion, I would have said no. But right. the Tony Storm thing, that's kind of where I was. That was where I was like, hmm, that doesn't sound right. Um, you know, and, and and I'm not really, I haven't really been paying a ton of attention to the rumors and innuendo. All I know is that she's apparently hurt. Um, so again, I don't, I, I'm going to say I don't think she's done, but it's going to take a while. Just seems so messy and political over there some days. And that's why yeah. I, I bring that up because, uh, you know, even the punk thing, there's been no talk of an actual buyout trying to take place right now. That's just speculation as well. So, I mean, good speculation, I'm sure. But then that poses this other question. And I want you to think hard about this. And if you're listening right now, I want you to think hard about this as well. Do you see a world at all where CM Punk comes back and works at least one more program in AEW? If everyone can put aside the egos... That is a potential money-making feud. I, that is I, the money-making feud. Exactly. Hands and, down. Like, and, and I wonder if the elite on, on, on Wednesday kind of teased a little bit of that by making fun of the buckshot lariat, making fun of you know biting someone's arm and doing a GTS in Chicago, of all places, and especially after Kenny had said, everyone let it go. This is either an example of the most immature, most petty people on earth being immature and petty, or it's an example of laying some breadcrumbs down. Yeah. Because you would have to be the biggest fool in the world, I would think. Brett and Sean worked together, even when they hated each other's guts. Mm -hmm. You can go down the list of people that have hated each other's guts through the decades. But when there's a giant pile of money, like literally a giant, but I'm not talking about like, hey, come back and wrestle for us money. I mean, like bigger than either one, either side could make doing anything with anybody else in that company right now. That's what people want to see. 
All these CM Punk haters, the guy that that uh, duct taped a big X over his CM Punk shirt at uh, full gear. <laughs> you know, did you see him in the crowd when they were going? Yeah, yeah, that? yeah. I'm like, are you kidding? This is this is the kind of blood feud that people get behind, whether they are in support of one side or the other. You'd have to be a complete idiot to leave that kind of a program and let it go unless unless you're CM Punk and you don't want to go back. Unless you're Omega and the Bucks and you don't want to do business with. But come on, there's there's a time to be a professional and this is it. Yeah, I would like again, I would like to think that Saner Heads will prevail, especially if it comes to business and making money. Um and, 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 you know, like if you believe the quote unquote rumors and innuendos, I, I've seen some reports that AEW isn't interested in buying out CM Punk's contract. So I'm like, all right. So you've got trolling going on on well, Wednesday. Of course they're not. Of course they're not. They <laughs> want them. They want them to walk or go and breach. And it's like, yeah. that's not going to happen. No. He's so, not an idiot. I, I, but again, I, I would I. I would like to think that they're going to figure something out and figure out a way to make this into a storyline because, man, that'd be sick. Yeah, there's got to be something to come of all this. I mean, yeah, it's pro wrestling. We're not. I mean, look at look at the world. We can forgive so many things, but we can't let a spat that none of us saw. Yeah. You know, rule and basically take this much potential intrigue and interest. OK, I'm 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 going to go off on a major rant if I keep going here. So <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. Let's uh, let's keep going down the road here. Uh, Charlotte Flair. Bianca left some breadcrumbs for us last night saying that she would love to face Charlotte at WrestleMania. Do you think we see Charlotte come back at the Royal Rumble? I think that there's a good chance of that. Um, okay. You know, she's been out for a while and I, I, I you know, they showed vignettes of her yesterday. So would yeah. not be shocked at all if they uh, if, if Charlotte. Well, again, back. they showed those vignettes in Canada, though. You can't go by those, Joe. You can't fair, go by fair. those because those are just commercial time filler. OK, but what you can go by is the fact that WrestleMania season's coming. Mm-hmm. Charlotte Flair is still like, you know, top of the heap. My other question for you is Ric Flair has announced that he's going to be at the Royal Rumble. So what number do you think he's pulling? <laughs> you know what? I bet you if he had his way, he'd want to be he'd want to be first five. Get me in there, number one. Number one. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I'll go coast to coast. Woo! With the nature boy. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know if I could handle that, but uh, no, no, I, I no, I don't want to see that. <laughs> more importantly, I don't think he could handle that, but he did mention it on his podcast that he was invited to the Raw 30th anniversary and the Royal Rumble. He said, hey, nobody told me not to say so. OK, Rick, we'll we'll see what happens, I guess there. OK, last but not least here, Joe Aguinaldo joining me from our podcast network here. Uh, when you look at the past year in wrestling. We have a ton of things that were highlights for you. I don't want you to go into your best of, but what do you think is the most standout story for you as a wrestling fan? It can be WWE, it can be AEW, it can be Japan, whatever. What is going to be your takeaway favorite memory of this year? Oh my God. Like, right. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say this is, uh, my favorite one, but I will say that I, I really felt this one. Actually, I'm going to give you two because okay. they, they kind of happen around the same time. I only asked for it one. Was, Joe. I, I know, <laughs> but, it, it, but it was, it was, it was the emotion that Eddie Kingston and Soraya showed 
when they wrestled their matches at full gear or well, the pre-show for full gear for that's very recent. Yeah. And yeah. And, and, and then Soraya versus Brit because like when Eddie won and knowing the history of Eddie Kingston and how much he, uh, you know, how much he was influenced by um, all Japan pro wrestling, especially in the nineties. So that emotion that he showed after beating Akiyama and Soraya's emotion after she actually, as she was walking to the ring and as she won her match against Britt Baker um, really felt that I thought, th- I thought those are really two really good moments. But, but again, if you're asking me to pick the one for the year, I got, you got to give me some time on that. All right. Fair enough. Well, we will have that time for you coming up with our year end awards. If you are a Patreon member, patreon.com slash SNME radio, you can cast your vote because those polls are coming out soon, and we will have our list for you at the end of the year. See how I plugged that all together there? That was nice, wasn't it? Well wasn't done. It? Yep. Pro. Let me ask you one more thing, Joe, and this you've uh, had time to think about, and I'm going to venture you've probably forgotten about. Okay. <laughs> but what to you was a standout moment of the pandemic era for you? The pandemic era? Yes. When all of a sudden social distancing and zero fans in the crowd and all these things were a thing, what's the one takeaway you remember from that era? You know what? I've, I've just forgotten. I've just blanked all that stuff. Out of my this mind. is my point. <laughs> this is my point. So coming up next, I'm going to be talking to a guy that's going to help you remember all that because I read his book and it brought back a flood of things I had forgotten about from the time that WWE announced they were going to have no fans in the building to the time that AEW shot an entire episode of Dynamite with clips from the Nightmare Factory in a dimly lit gym. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. Keith Elliott Greenberg, former WWE magazine writer and contributor, also has written not one but two volumes of the WWE Encyclopedia. He's got a whole book, Joe, and it goes through that entire era, but I, I had to ask him about just how in the 80s and 90s did you get a job as a WWE magazine writer? You know, that that to me already blows my mind because I remember buying those magazines as a kid. I still have them. I still have a lot of them. And I'm like, man, this is the guy that was, you know, behind the pen, so to speak, on a lot of these things. He was behind the keyboard. And so we're going to talk to him next, and uh, it, it's a fun chat. So in the meantime, try and think back to anything you remember from the pandemic era and see if it comes up. All right. Roger that. Joe Aguinaldo, you can hear him on our podcast network, snmeradio.com, patreon.com, slash snmeradio. And in fact, tomorrow night, right after Monday Night Raw, we record a little thing called Tuesday Morning Cooked, which we refer to as, Joe? The best damn Raw review on the internet. That's it right there. We got more with Keith Elliott Greenberg coming up on Sunday night's main event. Submit your feedback to Sunday night's main event by joining the group on Facebook. Search SNME Radio. This is Sunday night's main event on TSN Radio. I'm Boris Hagler. And I'm Matthew Ederer. And we're still the young guns. Even though, mathematically speaking, we aren't getting younger. Every Wednesday morning, you can wake up to our show on the Sunday night's main event Patreon feed. That show is NXT Talk, where we talk about NXT. We also rate every match and rant about the wrestling world. The show is NXT Talk, and you can find it on SNME Radio's Patreon feed. That's patreon.com slash SNME Radio. Sunday night's main event is crowdfunded. You can support the show by joining our Patreon 
Just visit patreon.com slash SNME radio. Patreon.com slash SNME radio. This is Sunday night's main event on TSN radio. Do you remember going to the grocery store with your parents or family members or even on your own? Maybe a convenience store and you'd see the magazine rack and go, all right, let's see if they got for wrestling magazines. And you'd skim and scan through as many as you could. And if the pictures were right or it had the story you wanted to read in it, you'd actually spend your allowance on it and bring it home. Better yet, maybe you subscribed to your favorite wrestling magazine. If you were especially following WWE or WWF magazines, the name Keith Elliott Greenberg is probably very familiar to you. The guy had articles everywhere. During his time as a magazine writer, he's also been an author. He's had several books out through the years. Most recently, he covers the pandemic era of professional wrestling, not just from a WWE perspective, but the industry as a whole. The book is called Follow the Buzzards, Pro Wrestling in the Age of COVID-19, but Keith spent some time with me over Zoom, and we talked about everything, including how he got started in the now almost lost art of wrestling magazine writing. Well, I first started knowing about this man's work before I even knew who this man was because I was the guy, had the magazine subscription, and I would see the name. And then later on in life, Keith Elliott Greenberg would become more and more known to grown-up wrestling fans, especially through his books, which have covered the industry. Uh, You've written a ton of books about amazing things as well, though. We'll talk about it. But, Keith, it's a pleasure to have you on the show here. Thanks for coming on. And Mike, I greatly appreciate uh, being invited. I want to talk about your history of of being an author. Obviously, I'm most familiar with you as as a contributor to WWE Magazine throughout the years and the decades. But but tell us about your history as an author and and what made you decide to be the person that wanted to take pen to paper, so to speak. Well, I don't think I had much of a choice. I remember I when I fir- I graduated high school at 17, and I remember I wanted to be a fine arts major. And I wasn't that disciplined of an artist. <laughs> I remember my father, who at the time I didn't get along with that well, said to me, look, you're not going to become a lawyer. You know, you're not going to become a businessman. You're not going <laughs> to take the police test. He goes, you know, you're not a bad writer. Maybe you should figure out something with that. So basically he said, you are an artist of some sort. Play to your strengths. And by the time I was 19, I was, you know, generating some income writing. So when I, you know, was thinking about becoming a professional writer, you know, I didn't come from a an educated family. I came from a working class family. So my family were not New York Times readers. They were New York Post and New York Daily News readers, which were the tabloids. And I said to myself, you know, one day I'll get pretty good and I'll I'll write for the Daily News. And now this all comes back to wrestling. I do a story about Bruno Sammartino and David Sammartino for Us Weekly about how Bruno Sammartino also always wanted his son to get a college education. And he's disappointed that he's knocking around the Indies or outlaw promotions, as they were called then. And following the family business, and it breaks Bruno's heart because he thinks it's an unscrupulous business. Now I have some credibility in the world of wrestling. And at the time, this is, again, early 80s, 
the mainstream media did not report on professional wrestling. No. This is pre the Hulk Hogan era. I pitch a story to the New York Daily News. I'm thinking they're never even going to answer my my request uh, about the pro wrestling phenomena. Like, how is it that pro wrestling is just seen marginally on UHF stations and nobody, they never get any mainstream publicity and they sell out Madison Square Garden every month. That That's the pitch. Right. I was like, hey, that's a pretty good pitch. You can have the sports centerfold, you know, on Sunday. You know, go to the garden. I get a press credential. They assign me a photographer, like a real photographer whose name I knew, like a guy whose name I'd seen in the news. You've seen him in the papers, yeah. Right, and I, I, they lead me into a room, and I remember, like, I'm saying to the guy, "Well, what if I, what if I?" And the guy's like, "You're working for the New York Daily News now. Like, calm down," because he sees I'm an, I'm an eager kid. Yeah. And I get there, and there's some PR type. You know, it wasn't like the machine that WWE is now, but they lead us to an empty dressing room and the guy comes back with Bob Backlund. I'm like, what? He brought Bob Backlund to me? So that gets published in the Daily News. And at that point, that was the point where I'm like, oh, I don't have any goals left. And all of a sudden you realize that this is the time to make some real goals. Exactly. When you were at that point now where you're working with the magazine, was that a contract gig? Were you an employee or were you still freelance? I, I, kind of I that was time? a freelancer. I okay. was on a monthly retainer for that. Yeah. I received a check every month and I would write. It depended, you know, at least three articles, usually more for them. When I was at the first WrestleMania, I had a conversation with Ed Rashuti, who I'm still fortunate to be friends with who was the editor of the WWF magazine at the time. And he's like, you know, you don't get many educated reporters who know this much about professional wrestling. We get a lot of fans who want to write for us, but, you know, they haven't really perfected the art of writing. And you seem, even though you're a kid, you seem to get that. And um, he goes, how would you like to start writing for us? And those words altered my life because then I began writing for the WWE for 22 years. And, um, you know, uh, I, I wrote a number of wrestling books because of that. And even after my retainer went away, I continued my relationship with WWE. They still bring me up there to do interviews for their A&E shows, for their shows on Peacock. Now they list me as WWE historian, which is a trip to like see myself on TV and it says WWE historian. And I have an 18 year old daughter. Sometimes I, uh, you know, I'm speaking with her and I say, hey, you're talking to WWE historian. <laughs> but there she is right now. That's funny. Right. Right. What 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 do they call me on television? WWE historian. See? <laughs> <laughs> Coming out, more of my conversation with Keith Elliott Greenberg, former WWE magazine writer, current author of the book we're going to talk about next. Follow the Buzzards, pro wrestling in the age of COVID-19. It's a real interesting chat. Hope you'll be here for it right here on Sunday night's main event. Oh, yeah! You're listening to Sunday night's main event on TSN Radio. 
Sunday night's main event is brought to you by Great Lakes Beer, a fiercely independent brewery. Black as night, light as a full moon, deep in character. Little is known about the guardian that protects the Great Lakes Stout. His nobility is as thick as his mustache, which belies the essence of the beer he defends. Through this mystery, what one can gather is, with this traditional dry stout, you'll finally vanquish the illusion that dark means heavy. Congratulations, you just found your new session stout. Find a selection of Great Lakes beer at your local LCBO or order online at greatlakesbeer.com. You're listening to Sunday Night's Main Event on TSN Radio. And welcome back to the show. I'm Mike McGuire. We are in conversation with Keith Elliott Greenberg, former WWE magazine writer. I guess still a contributor. He appears on a lot of the documentaries and network series and things like that. But he was the guy who was one of the contributing authors to the magazines for years. Has been a part of not one, but two of the WWE encyclopedias that we heard about in our last segment. And now has another book out, which was actually a sequel to a book that he'd written a few years ago. However, the book started as one project and turned into another. He explains here on Sunday night's main event. I didn't know what I was getting into because I'll be completely honest, I hadn't read Too Sweet, so I didn't know that you had chronicled all this stuff about the the indies and the revolution and, and everything that led up to, to all in and eventually AEW. So that was already kind of a cool story to have out there. So I'm reading this book cold and it's literally juxtapositioning the real world, everything going on from the first reports of, of the COVID virus all the way up to AEW starting out and and Cody Rhodes' first title matches and appearances and and you eventually progress from that to the elections in the US. Brexit's a factor in there for the Brexit as well, yeah. And and all these things globally that are impacting while fans are watching TV and, and trying to forget about the world and they're diving into pro wrestling, but even pro wrestling is weird because of this thing now and and so what made you decide that this was going to be the era that you were going to focus in on and really zone in on because you it's literally this happened in covid this happened in wrestling this happened in the world this happened in wrestling well um i obviously none of us knew that we were going to have an international pandemic as you mentioned too sweet inside the indie wrestling revolution essentially ends with the first dynamite broadcast it chronicles indie wrestling from its roots in outlaw wrestling. I, I started in the early 1960s, although obviously there were renegades all through the history of pro wrestling. And um, the, it, it ends essentially with there's a GCW show, Game Changer Wrestling Show in Asbury Park, New Jersey. And Marco Stunt, Joey Janela, Jungle Boy and Orange Cassidy are about to get into a car and drive down to Washington, D.C. for the first dynamite. End of book, but it's a cliffhanger. Because what's going to happen after this? What's going to happen to AEW? What's going to happen to WWE? What's going to happen to the Indies? Are both promotions going to scoop everybody up? 
What's going to happen to Ring of Honor? What's going to happen to the NWA? Lots of question marks. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was I'd already spoken with executive editor Michael Holmes from ECW Press about doing a sequel. And that's what I thought it would be about, you know, that first year of AEW and with a heavy emphasis on what it would do to the Indies. By the time I finished the epilogue, the pandemic had already been declared. And now I knew what the book was going to be. The book essentially starts January 1st, 2020, and for all intents and purposes, ends January 1st, 2022. I thought the COVID era would be much shorter. And I was writing the book as things were transpiring. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but it, it just kept going. And then sometimes you might be able to tie the bow and say, I've told the wrestling end of the story. But other things would happen in the real world, and I would feel I can't end the book yet. There's, it's too open-ended. So by the time I finished the book, live fans were back at the major promotions, and you know people were functioning not 100% post-COVID, but it, it, the people were, if you were vaccinated, most likely you weren't dying or ending up. That actually answers a question I was going to have about this, because... There's two types of wrestling fans I find. There's the kind that basically are what we hear wrestling fans are. Short-term memory, right? You, you live in the now, and then you just move on to the next week. And then there are the wrestling fans that have almost eidetic memories. You know, the people that remember every single detail. So I was wondering how you were keeping such close track of everything. But as things were going on, you're just... I wrote, I wrote it down. It. Yeah, yeah. I didn't remember it. I had yeah. files. You know, I kept files on different topics. And that also allowed me to capture moments in time, uh, you know, that now almost seems silly, but it, like, for instance, Triple H at one stage early on is talking about uh, that they're paying some company to zap the performance center with ultraviolet light every <laughs> night and pierce the wall of the virus. Right. Now, you could say nobody gets worked like a worker, or you could say Triple H and, you know, and the McMahon family truly cared about their employees and they were trying to keep them safe while also feeling an obligation to entertain the public uh, because I tend to be a glasses half full kind of guy. I'd like to believe the latter rather than the former. It was such a strange thing, too, because WWE had just announced these giant contracts and deals and there's a lot of money on the line with with producing actual new content all the time because remember the first little while they were showing like the the royal rumble match from earlier that year and they were just trying to fill an hour of raw with anything we'll take you back right. to the pay-per-view from three months ago aew was taking footage from was it from the the factory like they would have these weird indie setups yeah, yeah they, they had um it, it was the Nightmare Factory. Yeah, the Nightmare Factory. They had the... Yeah. I remember watching wrestling those two weeks. I was like, this is wrestling now. Okay. And it wasn't until I read your book that it took me back to those times. Because again, I mean, the Thunderdome feels like it was 100 years ago now. I know. And the, but... the Thunderdome seems so revolutionary and modern yeah. when we were locked down and there was nothing live going. And now you look back and it's a time that almost nobody talks about. Like... Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a weird thing. Like last week, I was signing books at the Catalyst Wrestling Show in 
Red Hook, Brooklyn. You know, I was selling books at the merch table and one of the indie wrestlers comes over and I'm giving him the pitch like, oh, this is a book. It's all about pro wrestling during COVID-19. And I'm opening up the book and showing him the pictures. And I'm look here. Here's Braun Strowman. And here's the fiend. And here's MJF. Oh, here's a warrior wrestling show in Chicago Heights. And here's a wrestling promotion in Finland. And here's a wrestling promotion in Denmark. And um, the, the guy says, look, man, I'm wrestling again. Like, I don't want to remember COVID-19. That was a really yeah. hard time for me. And it's like, I'm with you. I'm not giving you the sales pitch. But 10 years from now, you are going to want to read this book. This is a, a, a time capsule. And it was I captured it at the time. It's trapped in the bottle. And 10 years from now, when we're not as traumatized, I predict that people may circle back to the book. And my thanks once again to Keith Elliott Greenberg. The book is called Follow the Buzzards, Pro Wrestling in the Age of COVID-19. It's a heavy read. I'm not going to skirt that for you at all. In fact, it took me a while to get through it, but it's one of those books where it definitely is a time capsule of an era of pro wrestling that we were all in. So check it out. Maybe not now. Maybe just pick it up and and let it sit on the shelf for a bit. And when you're ready, uh, give it a read because I guarantee it'll bring back a ton of memories from even the last couple of years that you'll be like, oh, yeah. That that happened. This has happened. This has been our latest edition of Sunday Night's Main Event. Again, you can find extended episodes and that entire interview with Keith Elliott Greenberg will be waiting for you, unedited, complete, tomorrow on our Patreon feed, patreon.com slash SNME Radio. I'm Mike McGuire. Thank you, as always, for listening and letting me do what I do. Until next time, play safe, drive safe. Happy seeing ya. Thanks for finding Sunday Night's Main Event. To get the complete show as well as bonus weekly podcasts, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash SNME radio. 